Yeah. I think the way that people proof text it, it to answer your question specifically is exactly the same way that people proof text Philippians 4.13. They apply mm. it to a non-spiritual thing. They apply it to marriage. They apply it to, well, I desire to be married, so that means blank. And it's like, no, no, mm. God's not promising your plan. He's promising his plan. Hey, well, welcome to the Office Theology Podcast. I'm with the one and only Landon McDonald again. Welcome back, sir. Thank you so much. I would just like to state that I'm more likely to say yes to a thing if you make amazing memes. So that is the reason. <laughs> that is the reason. Dude, no pressure. Yes. Honored to no pressure. Honored to be invited back. This was a lot of fun, and I would thank you personally, but I'm not allowed to say your name. So that's fair. I'll probably say it a few times throughout the podcast, as I normally do, and I just have to edit it out. Um, but this time we are tackling the hot take of I'm bringing context back, mm -hmm. which comes from, of course, from the Justin Timberlake song. That's right. Um, and so, if you don't know, Landon. Uh, he is a lead teaching pastor at Mission Church uh, in Arizona, teaches courses on Theos U, and you just launched Major Profits on there, right? Yes. Yes, I did. They just I filmed that a long time ago. Sometimes I forget that I make courses because they, they like put them in a, you know, they're releasing them when they want to release them. So one time yeah. they released a course and I was like, I don't even remember doing that. And it was like over a year <laughs> before. And I was like, this is fantastic. Oh, wow. This is fantastic. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. It's a delayed little gift. That's right. And I just want to say, I all of your like subtle like remarks and jokes you make throughout are like my love language. So <laughs> I was listening to Isaiah one and you were saying so I don't remember what you were saying, but you go, Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> and like I died laughing listening <laughs> to that. And so big fan of your approach and how you do that. Thank you so much. Uh, he also has a wonderful YouTube video or page channel, excuse me, covering many topics. Uh, so make sure you go check that out. And also, you just started Star Wars Theology. That's right. That's right. I was drafting off of you, and I love a lot of the stuff that you've done. So I actually had a sizing problem because I posted all the memes in the wrong size. So if you go there right now, there's nothing on the page. But by the time this podcast comes out, it'll all be back up. So I probably shouldn't have even said that. Uh-oh. So hopefully I take my sweet time editing this podcast. Yeah, totally. I just make myself yeah. sound bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Is there is there anything else you'd like to share about you that for people that haven't listened to episode one? No, I just really this podcast. No, thank you for inviting me back. I'm honored to be invited back. I think this is a great podcast. Um, and if you would like, if you're a pastor or you want any free curriculum or Bible study content, just go on my YouTube channel. It makes me really happy and brings me a lot of joy when people tell me that they're using that um, because that's my heart mm -hmm. is just to give people free study content. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just make a lot of memes for fun. It's, it's a perfect balance. Yes. <laughs> nice. Well, anyway, so to intro this topic a little bit, uh, uh, probably over the past month and a half now, um, I've been asking all my Instagram followers, which verses are the most taken out of context? Um, and so they kind of, these are the top six that were, um, voted on and I'm going to go from the most voted to the least. Nice. And so the most 
everybody was like, it's either Jeremiah 29.11 or Philippians 4.13. Yeah. But Philippians 4.13 is the most that was voted, followed by Jeremiah 29.11, followed by Matthew 7.1, followed by Romans 8.28, then Matthew 18.20, and then lastly, 1 Corinthians 10.13. I know we cruised past those, but we're going to read them. We're going to break them down. We're going to talk through them. Um, but before we dive into this, let's lay out how this is going to go. This is going to be a little more, it's going to be a fun, a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to read the verse and then we're going to discuss how do people typically proof text it? Totally. Like what do they, what do they do? Um, then we're going to bring the context back and says, what, what does this text actually mean in the proper context? And then you and I get to go and we get to take turns uh, how we should not preach that. So we're going to give a little 45 second full send sermon and um, in post-production, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be, so picture, this will be the scene that we'll set for each one of those. We'll cue spiritual piano. It'll come in. It's the last 45 seconds of the sermon on this specific text. And then we're going to preach it how we should not preach it. And then we'll redeem it after that. And then we're going to say, how should you actually preach this, this passage? These are like, does that sound good? These are like really good ideas. Like I rare, I rarely hear ideas and I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a good idea. Like this is going to be really funny. And I did not prepare on purpose because I wanted to just spontaneously do it. So I'm really, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I have one take on one of them that I think you might disagree with. So that'll be fun. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's right. That's right. Old Testament. Right. I knew it. Um, and also from our last conversation though, too, we touched on, I think we touched on Jeremiah 29, 11 a little bit. Oh, we did. It's the one, last time. It's one of my favorite yeah. things to talk about. Yep. All right. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's do it. So Philippians 4.13 reads, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And all of these are ESV, just so everybody listening knows. Mm-hmm. Um, how do people typically proof text this? Yeah, totally. I mean, people, you know, yell this before they go skydiving. And it's like, you know, I don't think that that's what God was talking about, Diane. I mean, it's classic <laughs> Diane skydiving. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> I think that um similar similar to similar to uh, to Jeremiah 29:11, I think that people effectively utilize this verse as kind of like a positivity a mental positivity type of verse in in the context yep. in the context obviously it is a verse about Paul in in prison. That that being said, mm-hmm. that being said, I I do think people can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. I really do. It just it isn't. It's talking about all spiritual things. So I just feel like yeah, like I think it's really dorky to like yell that before you jump out of an airplane or before you mm-hmm. like play a football game or whatever. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, yeah. it's like listen listen Keith, the kid in the other locker room is praying the same thing. Like what kind of situation are you putting God in here? <laughs> And, and, um, well, who, who gets the all things is you or Keith. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, um, the promise is, is, is much, is much greater. 
And I think it shows, it shows, you know, I have, I have a lot of sympathy for people. It shows how many people are really struggling emotionally that they effectively turned this verse into a like positivity talk kind of thing. It's really, it's really sad. Yeah. It makes me sad. What do you think? Yeah, man. I think that it is. Try to think of how I've heard it the most. Um, I think that what I see most in this scripture being used um, is for some sort of shallow, immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, and shallow might be a bit harsh, but maybe temporary is, is a better word. Um, so when I've, when I've talked to people, you know, um, I'm just trying to uh, grow my business and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm like, Okay. You know what I mean? And so I think the pieces that I hear about this are mostly on temporal things and not character things or not uh, sustained things. And so I, f- I feel like the, uh, I, I have only seen online people say Philippians 413 for sports stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever personally ran into somebody who believes that for whatever sports event they're doing. It's mostly that I want whatever I'm doing to succeed, succeed. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this on top of my plans to succeed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I would really hope that someone's like, man, Philippians 413, this three, three pointer, like, okay, well then if you miss it, can Christ not do all things through you? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like when you used to play um, NBA Jam, and the announcer sometimes yep. would say "ugly shot," but then sometimes it would go in because there was something broken in like the announcer system on that game. Yeah. So just because he said "ugly shot" didn't mean it wouldn't go in, and you're like praying, and you're like, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Like, except make the yeah. three pointer that I just missed. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Then you just hit yourself with the "Oh, you of little faith." I I said no faith for it to go in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing I've seen with this verse is it's it's put on people's agenda for their personal success, typically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a pretty general sweeping statement. I'm not saying everybody who quotes it has impure motives like that. I think that'd be unfair to say. But for the sake of conversation, a generalized approach I see a lot is that. So now switching to um, what does this mean in the proper context? You kind of started to allude to it, but um, what does it mean in proper context? Totally. It means something really beautiful, which is that there is no physical need uh, that God will not meet. And if you need another verse for that, you know, Paul also says, my God will supply every need of yours in Christ Jesus. And um, I think that that's really, it's really awesome. And I think that that's a baseline belief that is incredible. And, uh, I think brings a lot to people who choose to believe Mm -hmm. it. Um, I will never, um, uh, be without my core needs. Um, which, which is, are very few things. It's just food and, and, um, Mm -hmm. a baseline level of, of support from God. Um, obviously he gives much more, but I think that that's really beautiful. And I think that the verse is, um, in context about God, um, God, there is no thing spiritually that you cannot do, um, with the help of God to which I I think that a person may reply immediately. Well, you can't, 
you can't heal everyone blah 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 and i agree with that i think yeah. that that is only the only thing that hinders or minimizes or hit the ceiling of that of course is the will of god so inside yeah. inside the will of god there is nothing that you cannot do spiritually and i think that people leave a lot on the floor as it uh, uh, uh they leave a lot untaken as it pertains to joy specifically i think a lot of people live without the level of joy that god wants them mm. to have uh, overflowing from their heart in the holy spirit and i believe that god brings that to us often through our surrender which often comes through deeply believing a verse like this like i mm. i can you know i've struggled severely with depression and i've been diagnosed with uh, depression, generalized anxiety disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder. And at some point I was reading, Jesus said, I, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I, yeah. man, I, I had a real holy discontentment with where I was at. And I believe yeah. that God has brought so much to me through my refusal to accept those things and to believe that the joy of the Lord is my strength and the joy of the Lord pierces through those things, which I really believe. And so that, that I think is what it is in context. Yeah. Oh, I love so much what you said about that, that holy uh, discontent. Um, and it's, it's interesting, probably about a, a year and a half ago. Um, I personally started counseling mm -hmm. and I feel like sometimes depends who you talk to. Uh, they have different different approaches on on therapy and counseling, mm -hmm. um, but really it, it kind of came from two specific things. One, my loving wife being like, "I think this would be good," and two, um, like this this discontent for that same promise you talked about—a life in life abundantly, or life to the full—that yeah. is found in Christ and Christ alone. And I'm like. If I if I'm promised a life to the full, I I don't I'm not experiencing that. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's right. And that's right. My my issues that I found and I walked through with my wonderful Christian counselor. She's like the sweetest lady ever. She prays before. She prays in the middle. There's a, something I bring up. She goes, "Hold on, we need to break that oppression." She stops and she prays over it. Like she's legit. But I say all of that because the context of this verse, verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Yes. And what is, what is the, what is the, how do we find this contentment is that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. And for me, I'm like, Oh, the context of this verse just quoting this verse out of context actually robs it of its fulfilling power. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I'm like, yes, it's a good verse, but it's better in the context it was written in than what you're giving it to now. Totally. And so I think the beauty of having the proper context and what it means in proper context is it allows the word to do what it can do best. And that's to dive deep and separate bone and marrow to get to the deep core of us. Yes. That contentment is found in his, the strength of Christ. Yes, within absolutely. Us. And I'm like, don't get me started. We didn't yeah. even start preaching yet. I felt the same but, way. Um, I was like, oh no, I'm already doing the other part. 
I know that's totally fine. But yeah, so I think the 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 proper text, the context is so good, and I and we'll I'm sure this will be a repeated thing throughout our conversation. Mm-hmm. Is that the context actually gives more weight to the scriptures that are be quoting yes. outside of its context? Yes, and so. All right, here we go. Now, how should we not preach this? So um, this is a curveball that you don't even know about in the show notes. So I hope you're ready. I'm going to set the context for where you're preaching this message at. Okay. So <clears throat> it's night three at a summer camp. Okay, great. And we're not going to do any, we won't do any names of any specific people in those contexts, nope. right? Okay, great. great, great, great nope. Great. Yeah, um, we're going to res- honor and respect people. Fantastic. Okay, so um, night three of a summer camp, the worst way you could preach it. Um, yep. And so post-production, I'm going to enter, I'm going to cue spiritual keys right now. Fantastic. Bring us there, Landon. Yes. And so for many of you, um, you're dealing with consequences in your life. You're dealing with consequences of real choices that you've made. And God is saying that you can do all things through him, meaning God will bring you through and past these consequences of your terrible choices. Like many of you have uh, gotten addicted to drugs and drank too much. And you're like, I don't want these feelings anymore. God's going to take those away. Um, Many of you have real trauma in your life. Like God is going to erase that. Like if anyone is in Christ, he is new creator. That means that any, any, that means that any consequences that you deserve, you won't have because God is going to erase them in this moment right here. And so if you feel like you have been brought to a place where you are reaping what you have sown, I want you to know that Philippians 4.13 supersedes that. <laughs> it borderline feels like wrong to do this. <laughs> it does. I'm like, uh, like, yeah, you'll, you'll give it the good context, but I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. This will not be a, a solo promo clip on my Instagram. <laughs> Totally. Exactly. It'll yes. be. Oh, that was good. I. Yep. Every every eye closed. Every head bowed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Music cued. We're on the third night of summer camp. Yeah. Okay. Here it goes. <clears throat> I know many of us have have come in here tonight, and it's night three. We might be a little tired, and from all the things going on, but I want you to know that you can have a supernatural attention in this moment through Christ who gives you strength. And it's kind of like when you're eating food and you're like, man, this is so good, but I'm full. And you want to just keep eating the, the strength and the power of Christ will give you the strength you need to overeat, to finish that food, to, to, to run the race well, to get to the finish line and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I want to encourage you as you're here tonight with every eye closed and every head bowed that you're saying, Jesus, I need to get to that finish line, just like eating the last portion of a really good dessert. I hated that so much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like if tonight, if tonight you are 
naked. You're about to jump out of an, an airplane, not emotionally or spiritually, physically, because you want to go skydiving. Um, I want you to know that God will give you the strength to do that. God will give you the strength to jump out of that plane to his glory. Oh, gross. <laughs> Dude, it's like made like made how I should not preach this. My ma- my mind's like trying to autocorrect to like the proper way to communicate it. Same. And it's like Same. actively like oh. Same. It takes I mean, I guess that's nice that it takes takes intentionality to have bad theology. <laughs> but okay, now let's redeem this text. Uh, we don't have to do the same preaching style, but if you were to preach this this Sunday morning, uh, how would you approach it? Yeah, I would preach it exactly the way that I did before, um, which is that um, God will bring you and will lead you through difficult times. He will give you what you need and letting go of a deep, deep desire for what you want as a thing Mm. is is exceptionally valuable and important and going through your life and thinking and thinking i actually don't need that i actually don't need that mm. i i may have that i may get that god may bless me and praise god if he does but i don't need that but i yeah. will have what i need and i would encourage people teach teach that to your kids teach your kids mm. we never worry about needs because god will give mm. us what we need if we're worrying about needs we are living out um side of faith in god and so we trust mm. god especially for someone who has lost a job or something like that this is the mm. moment teach your family teach your kids we are not afraid we will have what we need um, that's yeah. a really powerful gift to give your kids yeah. Oof. Yeah. Amen. I love that, man. I love the, the, uh, cause you said Jesus, when he talks about, don't worry about the things, what you need, he goes, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers is yeah, worry. Wow. That's so good. That's so and that's, good. And I'm like, oof. yeah, if I was to preach this real quick, it would be, um, that, no matter the circumstance you may find yourself in, you are not beyond the contentment of the Lord. Yes. So it's a contentment that supersedes circumstances. And um, yeah, we'll leave it there or else I'll keep going. Yes, exactly. All right. So Jeremiah 29, 11 um, says this, if you do not know, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Um, you may know this in a different version because you have a Hobby Lobby sign of it in your house somewhere, but um, that's, that's the text from ESV. Um, we're going to do this a little bit different in the sense of um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic verse. I think this is like the, you know, one of the more memed verses you know, with like the uh, sideways Willy Wonka. And he's like, oh, really? Tell me about when you were in Babylonian captivity. And I think that that is a fair criticism. Um, I think that it um, has a lot of validity. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that um, that being said, you never hear anybody criticize people's universal application of um, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it or your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. 
Um, so I think mm-hmm. first of all, you have to be consistent. So either either Jeremiah 29, 11 and your righteousness is filthy rags, either they both apply to Christians today or neither of them do. So you can't just take all of the negative verses um, and do it that way. I think that that is a mistake. Um, yeah. I think the way that people proof text it, it to answer your question specifically is exactly the same way that people proof text Philippians 4.13. They apply mm. it to a non-spiritual thing. They apply it to marriage. Mm. They apply it to, well, I desire to be married, so that means blank. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. no, God's not promising your plan. He's promising his plan. Now, I think the part where the other people mix it to answer the next question is people miss it because they're like, no, it doesn't apply to you at all. Well, yes, it does. You know, we are grafted into the tree of Israel, Um we, mm-hmm. we, uh, there, the, I don't believe in replacement theology, but I do believe in fulfillment. And I believe that mm-hmm. these things apply to us spiritually. Absolutely. Does God not have a good plan? Yeah. Does to, to the people who criticize it, I would say, well, does God not, does God not have a good plan for the people in your church? Mm-hmm. And, um, to people yeah. who are poor in spirit, to people who have been crushed in spirit, um, does God not say, does Jesus not say, blessed are you? because to you belongs the kingdom of heaven. And so who are Mm -hmm. we to um, restrict appropriate encouragement from people who find it in the text out of our, you know, I went to Bible college for two semesters in the eighties. So that doesn't apply to you because you're not in the Babylonian Mm -hmm. captivity type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. And this, this hit on a little bit. And if you've not listened to episode one with Landon, I want to encourage you to go do that because we talk about the importance of reading and studying the whole Bible. Um, and this kind of relates to it as well. Yeah. That uh, let's call it what it is. It's, it's proof texting in, in an opposite way as well. Like if Jeremiah 29, 11, you refuse to quote proof text, then why do you proof text the heart is deceitful and wicked? No one can understand it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting. I think the piece you hit the nail on the head. I don't really have much to add, but but beyond the, yeah, I've seen that as well. It's when these texts are applied to individual plans and purposes, not the plans he has for you. It's the plans I have for myself. Totally. Like, so I think the proof texting way people may not read it, but they mean is for, I know the plans I have for myself uh, yeah. and the Lord plans welfare and not for evil and to give me a future and a hope. It's whatever I hope and whatever mm. future I want. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So if someone comes up to you and goes, man, I hate that verse because it gets so proof texted your, your response would be, well, what, what other texts do you, um, read from Old Testament that apply to you? Is that kind of how you'd respond to them? Totally. Or I would say, you know, do do you think that the New Testament doesn't teach that? Do you think that the New Testament doesn't teach that God has a good plan for everyone, um, you know, who trusts in him? Like, is that not what yeah. Romans 8.28 is teaching? I'm not saying that someone who's like cheating on their wife every day and gambling all of their money, you know, that's not what, that's not even what Jeremiah 29.11 teaches. Um, Because I believe Mm -hmm. that God still does have a good plan for that person. God just allows us free will um, in a way that supersedes those things because that's what he chooses Mm. to allow. So I would just say to the person, you know, like, do you, do you not think that God, that the new Testament teaches that? And if it does, do you really need to dunk on someone theologically 
whose name is Sharon and is 75 and uses Facebook five hours a day. Can't you just let her be encouraged this morning? Like, do you really need to flex? Like, I don't think that what she's saying makes theological sense, but I do think that the, where she ended up with it is true regardless. Mm. So maybe like Mm. dunking on people on the internet isn't really, maybe that, maybe even if you examine your heart, you'd recognize that, that your, your desire isn't to bring glory to God. Perhaps maybe your desire is to show the intelligence that you have and praise God for that. Praise God for that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. But you know, maybe it's not the best thing to do. Mm. Man, you just, I think you just hit, hit the, uh, like struck a chord. I think just from pure observation, when I make any joke about Calvinism, mm-hmm. um, it, here's, here's a little insider for social media traffic. If I am not getting very many, very much traffic on my, uh, my account, I just make a Calvinist meme and then all of a sudden it blows up because we're, I, I post one the other day. And within an hour, there's 60 comments in of people arguing about Calvinism. Totally. And it's just like, but what it feels like is what you hit on. Like, are you trying to glorify God or just prove that you know more and you're right? That's the piece that it's like. Uh... Totally. And like, thanks Anyways. to all the Calvinists for giving us engagement on our posts. So our posts can have like oh, better, yeah. better uh, traction. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out. There's a few that. Um, they're great. We, we disagree. We have great conversations. Uh, there's a few of them that are like really, really pleasant. They're not like trying to argue with me, even though I tell them I'm a credentialed AG pastor. They're like, what? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Um, all right. So how should you not preach this? Okay. Set, set it up, set up the scene. Um, you are praying with someone after church and they are needing prayer and encouragement. Does that work? That's not oh really, boy. Pre- that's not really preaching. I mean, teach, preach. We can yeah. use it interchangeably. Yeah. Okay. What's the improper context for this? Okay. Then a better one for this would be you are um, teaching at your church Bible study or Sunday school and someone asks, someone asks you to explain this verse. Oh no! <laughs> you want to uh, go first? Maybe. Let's. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Okay. I'm, I need to. I need to get in the mindset of poor teaching. Okay. I think I'm there. That's a great question of trying to dissect this scripture and try to really understand how it applies to you and your life and how your future and hope can be secured. Um, You know, we all have desires in our heart. And I think that it's important to realize that no matter the desire we have, God put it there. And so chase that desire, that desire that he, that you have is given from above. And so that is a plan from the Lord and it's going, it's not evil. Um, it's not going to produce evil, but what it's going to do is give you the future and the hope and the life that you're looking for. So keep hanging on to that desire that you've been given. Yes. Oh, yes. I throw up. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Yes. I echo my brother. Follow your heart. 
It's a cultural idiom and it's a good one for a reason. You need to follow your heart. The Bible teaches that God makes your heart new. And so if you have a desire in your heart, that means that that desire is from God. So follow it. Like, and it doesn't even have to make sense historically, you know, practically. Just like, just, just go for it. Just go for it. Oh, it's so gross. painful. It's every, so painful. Every every feeling and inkling you have, even though it may not be popular, I'm I'm thinking about jabbing at some people, but not it's individuals, more like a thought. Even though it may be going against uh, traditional biblical orthodoxy, the desire's there, which means it's given from God. So just stray away from that and follow that desire wherever it may lead you. Okay, I have to stop this because I'm about to throw up. Yep. Anyways. Oh, I thought you were being serious. Yep. I thought you were I thought you were actually sick. <laughs> no. No. Oh man. Okay, how would you preach how should you preach this? Yeah, I mean, I think um when you live um in the will of God, God has good good plans for you. So, um Romans 8:28 like if you you know if you're out there and you have a problem with the Old Testament, that's okay. Romans eight twenty eight. You know, um, mm-hmm. God has a plan, and when you love Him and when you're doing your best, doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you don't sin or screw up or slip up or trip up or fail, because we all do. But when you are following God, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're living with God, God is um, turning everything together for good. You know, and I heard an illustration from a pastor one time that I thought was brilliant about Romans eight twenty eight, and he said, you know that he played against a chess master in a park in New York city. And the chess master was playing against 10 people. And no matter what move the person made against him, the chess master knew how to make a move to accomplish his purposes. And so no matter what things we are doing, if we're living in the will of God, God is like the chess master making the moves to bring about good. The chess master was going for victory and God is going for Mm. good. God is going to bring good into and through your life if you're living in the will of God. And that should encourage you, you know, so, so deeply. Mm. And I really hope that it does. And that doesn't mean our definition of good. It means his definition of good. Yeah. Mm, Come on now. How would you do it? I would um, emphasize greatly the plans that God has. So, yeah. The, the plans that give me a future and hope is not the things that I have developed and made and created for myself. That his plans for me produce the hope that I try to manufacture at times. That the plans that he has and he is working out produces the future, the hope, the, the joy, everything that I've been trying to manufacture or bought from the world is actually going to be fulfilled in submitting to his plan. And so, yeah. um, Yeah. It would be a heavy emphasis on what you want um, is not the most important thing in your relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So that's how I'd preach it. Okay. We'll put a bow on that one. Matthew seven, one judge, not, that you will not be that you be not judged 
So judge not that you be not judged. How do people typically proof text this judge not passage? Yeah, you know, I think, man, I think it, this one is an intriguing one. And I think that I might differ from you perhaps or other people on the way um, that I see this one. Um, I think that the way that people proof text this is they effectively say, don't um, judge anyone at any time for any reason. And um, what they mean by judging is effectively disagreement or saying something that they don't like. So they don't even have mm -hmm. really the correct definition to start with. And then they're saying this is a universal principle, dot, 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 mm -hmm. dot, dot. That's the way I would yeah. see people proof text it. Yeah, and I think the way um, I've seen it proof texts personally is a matter of calling people to a biblical standard, but they see that as passing judgment on them. Like, well, you can't you can't hold me accountable or pass a judgment on what I'm doing. You can't make a judgment call on if it's um, biblical or not, or if it's sin or not. So therefore don't, don't call me out for doing this. Yeah. Um, that's just personally how I've seen it. And so it's kind of like used as this defense of, um, to say it more generally, let me be me and let me sin, but don't tell me what I'm doing is sin is kind of how I've yeah. seen it used. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, what is that? What was, what's the context of this and how, what does the text mean in the proper context? Yeah. I mean, um, Start with, Paul said, is it not within the church that we are to judge? So you start there. So you know that Jesus is not disagreeing with that. Um, and then take the context from Matthew 7. So judge not that you not be yep. judged. I believe that what Jesus is saying is an idiom that is meant to have people think about, which is, if mm -hmm. I judge, if I, why would I judge when if God judged me, accurately, I would go to hell. Mm. I think that's a thing that people need to think about. Mm -hmm. Secondarily, judgment just means saying something is right or wrong. So everyone judges every day because when you're flipping yeah. through Netflix and you're like, I don't want to watch that. Technically, you're judging that. You're saying, no, that's not right for mm -hmm. right now. So people have this very hyper-spiritual version of it and then they apply it. Mm -hmm. It's so confusing to people. So then what does Jesus say next? For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, mm. it will be measured to you. He's saying, if you don't judge at all, people won't judge you. And that's literally mm. true because people literally like to judge judgmental people and they like to yeah. not judge non-judgmental people. Jesus is not saying mm -hmm. judgment is wrong. Jesus is not saying judgment is not Christian. Jesus is teaching us the way both on earth and in heaven that these things actually functionally work. Mm. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of a, a piece of awareness for the person even making the judgment. Cause it's not even necessarily if the person you are quote judging is even in the wrong or the right you may be, be very right in the fact that what they're doing is sin and not good. But towards the end of it, he goes, you're pointing out the, the speck in your brother's eye and you have a plank in your own eye. You have a log in your eye. So it's the realization that if I'm judging from the aspect of I am righteous and they are not, it's a humility piece of reminding me 
I am no better or worse than them. We are all, all on equal playing ground. But that does not mean I can't say, hey, brother, what you're doing is sin and is destructive for your life. Totally. If it's from a place of me understanding of humility, I have things in my life as well. And so um, the context that I see it in is it's it's uh, maybe it's often done in a top down and Jesus is trying to level the playing field. Of, we all have things that will be judged. Yeah. And so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yep. true. Okay. Um, how should we not preach this? Okay. I'll set up the, the scene for this one. Let me get my card. So, um, let's say, let's do a small group. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. You're in a small group as a group's pastor. Let me just use a real example. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, you're in a small group and someone shares, um, someone's really struggling with uh, someone in their family doing something they don't agree with. Totally. And uh, they are just bagging on them hard and go yeah you know i mean the the bible says not to judge so who are you to say that someone's sexual preference is wrong you know who are you to say that jesus is the only way to heaven i can't even do this it just makes me feel so horrible doing it but that is that is the wrong way to do it it's to take it and apply it to well, the, the problem is what you just said. I'm like, I've heard that thousands of times on Instagram. Oh, totally. Yeah. People love that. They love doing that. And it's so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I would probably do the same thing where it's like. No, you made, um, you made me do it. You have to do it too. I know. I will. I will. If we go down, we go down together on this That's one. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> they're like, Landon, I don't think you could be the teaching pastor anymore. Yeah, you, your theology seems off. Because of some things you said in a meme-based podcast, you've ruined your life. Uh, hope it was worth it. Yeah. No. Um, I would say if I'm in a small group, someone's just going off. Um, I would probably say, well, you know, Jesus said, judge not. And I would leave out the second part as well. Like, it's as simple as that. I would try to just yeah. shut it down. Hey, who are you to judge whatever makes that person happy? And so let them be happy. Stop judging them and move on. It's probably, if I was broken, if I had a broken theology, that was unbiblical. That's what I would say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh man, this started as a funny idea. Now it's just making me feel gross. Yeah, me too. I was like, when I read it, I was like, this is amazing. Now that I'm doing it, I'm like, I want to listen to other people do this. I don't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll start to turn a corner here and, and change this up a little bit. How should we preach this? Yeah, I think that um, Christians are justifiably criticized for being overly judgmental. I think that's fair. I read atheists yeah. online all the time that are like, don't be, don't be Christians are so judgmental. And I'm like, I agree with that. So I think first of all, yeah. I think first of all, like as a Christian, like examine this, do you believe Jesus? Do you believe that with the measure you use, it will be measured to you? 
Um, because a lot of people would change their interpersonal communication style if they truly believed that. And they would change their online mm -hmm. premise if they truly believed that. Do you want someone yeah. examining your past and present to the same degree that you feel comfortable doing that to strangers? Because I think that that's a Oof. pretty big mistake. And I think that you don't. I, I really do. I think that yeah. you don't want that. And I think secondarily, like, are you willing to apply judgment the way the Bible teaches, which I believe that we are mm. really rarely called to judge mm -hmm. outside the church? And yeah. are you um, engaging with politics in your public and private persona in a way that really isn't in the spirit of this? Um, mm. And if you are judging within your church, are you doing it with a spirit of charity? And are you seasoning your mm. speech with salt, like like Paul teaches? I think these are all good things to examine. And I think, you know, I, I do. I would encourage, you know, you still preaching wherever you're at to examine your heart in these things. It's probably the way I would yeah. do it. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I think with this... Um... I would definitely go off the same one of would you be comfortable with someone judging you the same way that you have judged them? Um, I think social media has made it really easy to make a judgment on an entire person's character and being based off of one interaction or one comment that somebody made. And I don't know anybody that would be okay with that being done to them. Yeah. And so, and so for me, I would, I would, um, probably poke at the, the judgment that leads to a quick deciding factor of who that person is, what they stand for, and if they're in right or wrong or an error or not. Um, I just think it, it's a really toxic approach to um, people that are made in the image of God. And either I believe that Christ is sufficient and Christ is enough and Christ can redeem us, um, or not. And I think that when I become the ultimate judge or someone becomes the ultimate judge, you were saying, thanks, Jesus, I got this one. I'll let you know what I think about them. And so for me, it's actually a huge pride piece as well. Like I know what is best. I'm gonna make the ultimate judgment on them. Um, while, and so, yeah. yes, that's probably the route I would go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to expand more on that, but I'll, I'll pause. <laughs> totally, totally. For the sake for the sake of the length of listeners. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Romans 828. You've referenced it several times already today um, in this conversation. And I'm trying to decide if I want to do an audible. And we say, how is this typically preached in the wrong context instead of us taking time to preach it wrong? Yeah, I mean, probably just without the um, called according to his purpose. So we can't apply yeah. this verse to our purpose, whatever our purpose yeah. may be. But when we apply our purpose to his purpose and bend our purpose to his purpose, we are just in such an amazing spot to yeah. receive so much. It's just such a special place to be in. And so I would just, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would just encourage people to say, what are God's purposes for you? And you can like, mm. it's, it's so encouraging when you align mm. your purposes to God's, like when it says in John 15, um, what's that verse? 
he says, if I abide in, in, in you and you abide in me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, mm -hmm. you can't abide in God without surrendering your will to his. So when your will is surrendered mm -hmm. to his, the things that yeah. flow out of you are truly things that you want. And they're truly, truly beautiful things. And you can know oh, that yeah. they will come to pass. And so I would probably teach it like that. Yeah. And I think uh, just so for the listeners, Romans 8, 28 is this, and we know uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, I would teach as well. It's interesting. I'm just seeing this now, like in real time with so far, all the passages we've read. The problem is people are mistaking their plans for God's plans. And when that switch happens, it becomes a proof text that loses all the power that it was meant to have. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I feel like I'm kind of like a broken record. I'm like, exactly like what you said, like we're called according to his purpose, not my purpose. Totally. Like the purpose of my life has ceased to exist. And now the whole purpose of my life is to serve his purpose. And it's, and I would probably touch on like, where, where do you go and who do you go to and what do you lean on for to find and feel purpose in your life? Because the reality is every single one of us do things and we say things and we interact in ways that we think to have the most purpose. And so what do you do when the purpose you felt like was the right purpose to pursue comes up empty? What do you do with that? And so the problem is to take a few steps back and be like, maybe the purpose that I was pursuing uh, wasn't the one that God has planned. Totally. It's not his purpose for my life. And so um, re-exam, I would call people to re-examine the purpose that drives their life. Yeah, it's so good. Is what I would do. It's so good. Yeah. <clears throat> and I would just say, I would not tell people to, to switch that out, like you said, for his purpose, for your purpose, because that's where it'll get sideways and it's not good. Okay. We're going to cruise. We're going to stop committing heresy and false preaching. So... <laughs> did it three times i feel gross about it okay uh matthew eighteen twenty. so we'll, we'll get cruising because i want i don't want to keep you too long mm -hmm. um for where two or three are gathered in my name there i am among them mm -hmm. why do people have issues with this why do they think it's proof texted what do people do because people it's a it's it's a i, I have to answer the first two because i can't i can't really answer it without answering the second one but like That's it's, fine. it's, uh, it, it, it is a verse about, um, you know, overcoming conflict between Christians. Yeah. And so yeah. it, people, people apply it to prayer most often. And, um, mm -hmm. it's not really, that or, it's, a, or a service. Yeah. It's not really even that it's not true. Yeah. It is true, but it, it's, you know, you, you have to understand the, the manifest presence of, of God, you know, versus the, the, the everywhere, the omnipotent the, the not omnipotence, the omniscience of, of, of mm -hmm. omnipresence rather of God. You have to, you have to see that God is everywhere, but God is not equally everywhere in this, in the sense that mm. when the Holy spirit rushes upon people in the Bible is it's, it's, it's not the same amount of God's presence. It's obviously different. Mm. Um, same thing with Pentecost, same thing with the story of Samson, same thing with the story of David. So I think that people yeah. preach it wrong and they're like, Hey, we're praying together. God is here. And you're like, well, God already was here. God already was here before we showed up and prayed. 
Um, yeah. So I just think it's just a weird application of that. And then people don't even get the good application, which is that God promises when two Christians are trying to reconcile to especially be there. And that's really awesome. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's exactly it. When I hear it, it's usually, um, it's gather oriented almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, sometimes if I'm feeling a little feisty, <laughs> cause it can happen. I go, I was like, yes. And amen. I'm like, do you, do you know, where that verse is placed in what Jesus is talking about. Totally. I'd probably say nine times out of 10, they're like, no. And I'm like, it's actually about conflict with another Christian. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, you know what I mean? And so um, the proper context, I love it. Cause it's, it's showing how much, how much Christ values the unity amongst brothers and fellow Christians right. and how important it is. Jesus prayed for unity for the disciples, right? right. Um, and he even says, if you have a sacrifice and bring it to the altar and you remember that a brother has offense against you, what are you supposed to do? So to leave the sacrifice there and go reconcile. That's right. Um, but it's way more easy to talk about it in a worship service than it is in the middle of conflict with somebody. Totally. And totally. so, Yeah. Yep. And so, um, yeah. So how, how would you preach this? Cause we kind of addressed how not to, how not to apply this, the scripture. Yeah. I would preach it that God doesn't want any Christians to be living in conflict and God gives a full roadmap to that. And I would say that that this mm -hmm. Matthew 18 applies to personal conflicts. You can't just like be offended by someone's sermon that you've never met and try to invoke Matthew 18. People always do that online. It makes no sense. It's not contextually what it's yeah. talking about. If you've never met the person, yeah. then Matthew 18 doesn't apply. You need to just let it roll off your back and move on. But for mm -hmm. interpersonal conflicts, I think it's beautiful. Go meet with the person, pray about it, you know, or yep. even encourage people to bind any demonic forces before you go into a moment of conflict. I know that might strike a certain yeah. type of Christian as very erratic or weird, but I think it's a beautiful thing to do. You're not saying you think a demon is oppressing either of you, but you know, where, where do demons want um, wins more than when two Christians are trying to reconcile. And so I would just encourage people like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think that it's a beautiful, I think it's a really beautiful thing. And I would encourage you to live, like the Bible says, at peace with all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. This is our last one. All right. And then we're going to jump in, Then we're going to jump into two quick pastoral questions uh, before we wrap up this podcast. So Let's 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. How is this typically used? Oh, so hold, hold on. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Yeah. This How one, this do one, people typically? Yeah. Yeah. This one brings up all of the like really difficult so is the Bible talking about you yourself or is the Bible talking about you with God? You know, like I believe that mm -hmm. I am tempted beyond my ability all the time, but I don't believe I'm ever tempted yeah. beyond my ability with God. And so I think that's like the place where people really get it confused and really need some additional mm -hmm. teaching and some additional help yeah. is like, if you have an addiction to pornography, God is not saying that like you alone 
in the middle of the night with your phone, with no one else in your house, you are capable of defeating that temptation. That's not what God is saying. And even with the context of the additional part of the verse, he will provide a way of escape. So I've taught men and, and it's a really good teaching that I heard from someone else. Ask God for the way of escape when you're in temptation. Where is the way of escape? Mm. And don't believe yeah. that you can defeat temptation on your own, but do believe that with God, you can defeat every temptation mm. is the mm. way I would kind of see it. What about yeah. you? Yeah, man, I think one, I think this is where I've noticed a lot of people get the um, God won't give you more than you can handle. This is, I think, the, the genesis of that Christianese statement that's not found in scripture. Um, totally. Because I got berated by somebody who said um, they firmly believe that that was in the Bible. They go, yeah, well, that's basically what 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's it's, – it's putting – the improper ways, it's putting power on your strength and your ability to do um, what only, only the Spirit of God can do through you. Uh, you see the struggle of sin in, in Romans 7. Paul's like – I want to do what is right, but I, I don't do it. You know what I mean? He's like wrestling with the reality that he cannot do what only the risen uh, Christ, the spirit of Christ can do within us. So um, the way that I would teach this is that there is nothing, there's no temptation you face that isn't going to catch Jesus off guard and not provide a way to be free from yes. and escape that situation you're in. Amen. There's literally, there's literally nothing you will run into Mm -hmm. that Jesus will not provide a way out and empower you to overcome. Amen. And it gets twisted when you forget that he is the one that empowers us because we have no, we have no victory or strength over our sin. Amen. So true. And so, and so I would preach it that way that there is, um, there is, there is no strength within me to defeat the depth of the brokenness and sin that still dwells within me. Amen. And that comes through a humble submission of Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's how I do it. Okay. Any other thoughts on those six? No, I think it's a really good conversation. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone sees, if you're, if, if you're watching this vi- uh, visually and you see me using this dropper, I'm just taking my B-complex vitamins right now. So there you go. I would highly encourage taking some HGH, human growth hormones to get really buff. Dude, if I was taking HGH, then I should stop because they've failed. Um, <laughs> taking some, I got a B nine. Um, there you go. Yeah. Dude, how I wish I was in Arizona. It's 25 and overcast up here. Dude, it's so beautiful outside. Like after this, I'm going to go walk you know, around. It's, it's amazing. You know, you know what? That's enough of that. I'm going to sign out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so the last couple questions, just pastoral questions. Why does context matter? And what is the danger of making beliefs off of out of context scriptures? Context matters because it's a story or a letter. There always is context in all of scripture. There never is a part of scripture that doesn't exist in context ever. And just apply it to any other art form. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. No one would study three seconds of Lord of the Rings for five hours. They would just be like, well, let's just watch the rest of the movie. But people do that with scripture. Do I mean that there are not rich 
theological truths to be meditated on. No, of course not. I believe in meditation. I believe in teaching long sermons on one verse. That's basically Charles Spurgeon's whole preaching career. I believe in all of that, but you can't develop yeah. theology out of context. Mm. It never works. It never brings you to the right place. Take an argument mm. you have with your spouse. Take a love letter. Take it on the positive. Either way, could could you develop um, anything about their character from one phrase that they said in that letter if you didn't have the rest of it or one phrase they said mm. in that argument if you didn't have the rest of it? Of course not. Of course not. Could you develop a very, very broken picture of a person from one phrase in an Ooh. argument or one phrase in a love letter? Yes. You could develop a very weird view of someone. And that's exactly why context matters. I would encourage people, if you've never read through the whole book, don't even quote it. Don't quote it. It's not a good idea. So if you want to quote yeah. Jeremiah, read Jeremiah. And that's fantastic. And mm -hmm. then quote it all you want. What What do you think? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that if the danger of making beliefs out off of an out of context scripture, um, it creates a belief in a, a Jesus and a savior mm -hmm. that I have manufactured, not that he says who he says he is. So true. Uh, so and true. so I think the danger is um, when say someone goes, well, I, I believe this and I, I have this theology built off of this and they have this kind of like hodgepodge of beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus has to, submit to my beliefs and my broken understanding of scripture. And then I'm curious and I'm frustrated and I'm disheartened of why does Jesus not do what he says he'll do when my entire belief of him is, is false from the beginning. And so I think what it can do is um, it can actually discourage people because they're wanting Jesus to be a certain way that he's never been intended to be or do the things he's never intended to do. Yeah. Um, so, and so I think the day, I think the danger is that you create a version of Jesus that um, the Bible does not illustrate or how he reveals himself to be so good. And so then you're wondering why the Jesus you follow is powerless is because he's made out of your ideas and your thoughts and actually who he reveals himself to be. Yeah, it's good. And so final question, did we bring context back? <laughs> Dude, that Justin Timberlake song was so big when I was in high school. I remember like, I just, yep. I, it's so funny now because now it's kind of viewed as like a kind of like regular hit. That and If You Want to Be My Love, the one that's like, oh yeah. Dude, the production on those records is so amazing. But in like oh, a yeah. post Britney Spears autobiography world, I do see those things maybe <laughs> inch differently. Um, <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever said your name while doing like like record scratches, like DJ record scratches, like take yep. a ticket, take a Timberlake. If you've ever done that to your <laughs> own name, like I do think that you inherently are problematic. Probably. Um, did we bring context back? I I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I just hope that. Yeah. I hope that this content has helped and blessed somebody out there mm -hmm. today. And if you're out there today, don't give up, don't quit. God sees you. God loves you. And um, yeah. yeah, I just, I hope it helps people. Yeah. You and me both. And I think the biggest thing is I hope at the very least we challenge people to 
question the way that they read certain scriptures. And I love the challenge that you put, read the whole book before you quote a part of the book. And so if I, if there's someone listening that says, Hey, give me some homework. I'd say, if you really love Flip, Philippians 4.13, read Philippians, the whole book, at least one time through to make sure you understand the context of that scripture. And so, yes, sir. Well, thank you, Mr. Landon, Absolutely. so much uh, for being a part of the podcast and make sure you follow him on social media, on his YouTube channel, Star Wars Theology, on TikTok, wherever any media is found. Make sure you go follow him. Let's you go. will not regret it. Thank you. So thank you, my dude. Absolutely. We'll see you later. See you soon.